Welcome to the Popular Pig Podcast, a convenient place where you can stay up to date on what's popular in the swine industry. By listening to Popular Pig, you will receive invaluable information on the latest trends, news, and research from various experts who guide the global pork industry. Popular Pig is brought to you by SwineTech, the award-winning creators of SmartGuard and PigFlow. To learn how PigFlow can help you streamline your workforce and reduce piglet and sow deaths, visit swinetechnologies.com. Popular Pig is also made possible by Johnsonville Foods, Swine Robotics, SwineWeb.com, and Innovative Heating, the manufacturers of Hoghearth. Welcome to the Popular Pig Podcast. My name is Matthew Rota, your host for today's episode. Today, we're going to be talking about a new innovative product around farrowing with Matthew Wilkin, owner of White Psych Farm, Bar Open, and winner of the National Pig Awards here in 2020. Thank you for joining us today, Matthew. No problem. It's great to have you on. I'm excited to talk about this new product. Innovation is an exciting thing in the swine industry. I wish there was more of it sometimes. I'd love to start with a little bit of your background. You and your father run White Psych Farm and would just love to know the background and story to that. Uh, yeah, so basically we're just a, um, a wiener producer in the UK. So we sell seven kilo pigs. Um, we have 2,000 sows. Um, my father started the farm uh, 30 years ago now um, with just a greenfield site. Um, and the farm has been built up over over that time um using a lot of second-hand equipment and um we do all our own building and building works and shed works ourselves um and it was just the way that we could afford to to sort of get into it and, and move up the ladder and expand the the herd over time rather than buying new equipment and paying companies to do it we've we've sort of done that ourselves um and yeah, so that's taken us to, to really where we are now, sort of starting off at 100 sows 30 years ago and um, yeah, 2,000, 2,100, something like that now um, on, a, on a weekly system. Um, Which that's a pretty big farm for the UK, right? Typically they're, they're more around that 1,000 sow level. Yeah, so sort of in the UK, yeah, there's a lot of sort of 250, 300 sow units, which which are more power to finish. Um, and then there are probably, yeah, quite a few going up to a thousand. Um, and I think there are more, there's more now getting the uh, larger units and more doing the separate site, you know, breeding unit, nursery unit and, and finishing unit. So in, with that, you know, the breeding sites getting larger um, and more specialised. Um, but yeah, it, it, I suppose it is quite a big single site in the uk yes gotcha so over in the uk and in europe in general there there has been a push for open farrowing uh what have what have what has that been like to to navigate through uh, obviously you invented your own product to help solve that problem so can you just talk about the problem or challenges of of converting to open farrowing and, and some of the things that come from that yeah so <clears throat> sort of the whole background really is in 99 uh, 1999 the in the UK, the, the, the stalls were, were completely banned. Um, I think it was 10 years later in, in the EU that the, the stall was banned. Um, and obviously when you have something like that happens, it, it did decimate the UK pig industry quite badly. I think we've only got maybe 50% of the sales that we had previous to 99. Um, 
when you do something like that, once you've done one thing, people want you to do the next thing. Um, it's something that has you know, come in quite recently that people are very keen to be looking at and um, you know, government's pushing for things. Things are, things are changing quite rapidly. Uh, we first started looking at three firing um, about eight years ago. Um, and we've trialed a couple of different systems, um, which, you know, early systems, when we wanted to expand our, our firing capacity, rather than install conventional firing places, we wanted to try pre-firing to try and get some kind of handle on things um, and see see how it might work. Um, so, so, that, so, we, so we've been sort of working and playing with this for maybe eight years. Now, I would say we were probably quite early adopters. Um, there's definitely been a big drive in Europe this last four or five years, um, and there seems to be a, a bigger drive coming in the UK now as well. Um, the reason that we wanted to sort of do something of our own was because we'd had previous, previous experience, and we couldn't find a, a system out there that we... We believed worked for for the sow, for the piglet, and for the people trying to work the system. Um, two systems that we have tried, you know, do work to a certain extent. Um, piglet mortality has not not gone up hugely, but the staff um, weren't weren't very keen on them because it made things harder rather than easier. Um, mm-hmm. And staffing becomes an issue, um, so we wanted to do something that worked for for everybody. Um, there is some drive within Europe, um, certainly in Sweden and Finland, or there was, but you know, they didn't want the sow to be able to be confined whatsoever. Um, I think that they're possibly backtracking on that a little bit now because it's just really not practical. Um, we do need to have some ability to confine her from, for a couple of reasons really that you know the, the staff need to be able to get to the piglets from a welfare point of view um, and sometimes you will just get a sow that decides she's going to lay on a piglet and what we do find is we, you know, the, the ones that do crush piglets tend to be repeat offenders um, so, so you've got to treat each sow individually um, so that's why we wanted to design our own system um, that was designed on farm with the pig and the, the man in mind um, and not designed in an office by somebody who who thinks something may be ideal, but in a practical point of view, it isn't quite so, so practical on the farm. Right, the difference before between designing in the office and designing out in the real real environment. That's true. Yeah, yeah, and and even when we did our first couple of designs, you know, we we decided we wanted to make things up as trial systems, and we decided that things wouldn't work as we were putting them together because they were possibly a little bit too uh, too intricate. Um, but as soon as something got bent or twisted or a sow sow did something that she wasn't meant to. Then it possibly wouldn't work. Um, mm. so, yeah, it needs to be robust enough for a sow to vote it, whatever she can, because that's essentially what they decide to do at some point. 
Gotcha. So I guess, how does your, how is yours different? What, what have you done to create something that does work for the people? Um, so a lot of the systems out there are based around a pretty simple system where as one side opens up or, or both sides can open up. Um, the unfortunate thing with that is it tends to mean that the sow, um, sow's uh, rear end is usually facing the, the passage where you would access the sow. Um, and which doesn't, which then leads you to need a, a high board at the back, sort of over a metre high that she can't jump over. Um, so we wanted to turn it around and put her head facing towards the, the access passage. Um, and what we what we did also find in the in the two different systems that we tried was that naturally they actually wanted to lay facing the, the access passage, um, possibly where where they'd sense danger coming from essentially. Um, so we wanted to turn it around and do it that way. So then, piglet access was good, um, and you know, it, it could all be quite low boards that were that were easy to step over rather than have to either open a gate or or climb over the top. Um, essentially, is is the way that we wanted to to do things. Um, and then the 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 other thing that we we sort of really wanted to to make sure we did is that that the opening side was in constant contact. Um, with with a point because we'd had some in our other systems where we'd had sows getting out or escaping or causing issues um, and when we wanted to fasten them in or alter things we had to take one end off and if she was an aggressive sow then you had you know, essentially a, an eight foot gate that she was in control of rather than rather than pigman um, which could, could then be, be dangerous so that was something else that we were conscious that we wanted to keep constant contact um for the metal work at, at one end or the other so so um i guess government regulation aside when it comes to kind of the old way you guys were doing it and the common way in a lot of areas where you have a, a constant confinement um in farrowing to where it's a free farrowing what are some of the benefits and advantages what are some of the challenges that that you did face i remember you mentioned a little bit mortality, but are there other things that you're you're noticing from a welfare perspective that that really jump out as here? It's a, it's a real obvious benefit. Um, I think uh, one thing that that is a, a big benefit is public perspective. From people that work with pigs, um, I don't think, and I don't personally have any issue with. Um, conventional firing crates. You know, we changed because our firing crates needed replacing. They'd, they'd served their life. Um, and I feel, and a lot of the industry in the UK feels that within 10 years, this will be become you know, mandatory. So the last thing we wanted to do was to put firing crates in and have to rip them out after you know, half the yeah. lifetime. Um, the, the benefits, yeah, I think one big benefit is we feed all our sows ad lib and we don't have any problems whatsoever with mastitis. Um, so things like that are good. She's good. She can go up, she can move about. Um, the sows, yeah, generally I would say are happier. Um, the gilts are definitely better, farrowing wise. We farrow open um, and we don't have any savaging 
problems at all with guilt. And actually, in conventional systems, um, we were seeing quite a lot of savaging. And for the last three years now, we've not borrowed a sow, a, a guilt, sorry, in a in a conventional crate, and we've not had any any savaging in that time. And previously, we farrowed 26, 27 gilts per week, and we were getting one or two per week savaging. Um, so that's been a really big advantage from that point. Um, feed intake's been up. Um, litter weaning weight has been has been up. Not not a huge amount, but yeah, a, a little bit. Um, um, but I think the pig's been more viable as well at, at weaning. Um, again, a bigger footprint of the crate has given the pig, the piglet as well as the sow, a bit more freedom. Um, and it seems it, the piglet seems quite a bit more active, um, which is which again another another positive. So when when we look at free farrowing, that's one thing that we see changing in the next decade in the UK. What are some other things that are changing, either from a public perspective or a consumer spec perspective or government perspective, that are going to be changing the way that that pig farming is done in in the UK? Um, that's a question that the UK pig industry would love to know. <laughs> and unfortunately, <laughs> no. um, because yeah, our government and our um, agricultural departments are not um, very forthcoming in giving us the information that that, that we need um, to build an industry going forward. They tend to make a decision sometimes quite rashly, and then we have to deal with the consequences. Um, Germany have you know, given their pig farmers 10 years to go to all beef farming um, and increase increase space in fattening yards, etc. Um, I think from, from the UK pig industry point of view, all we can think is that our government will probably follow suit. Um, but unfortunately, yeah, we government don't work with us they they essentially dictate to us at some point when they decide what's what's going to happen um gotcha that can make things frustrating and difficult um i'm sure yeah and yeah what we've done yes we're going forward we're trying to do we're trying to be proactive some people say you know is this going to fit current legislation in 15 years time that's a question we can't answer. I'd love to, but at the same time, we can't just sit back and say, "Let's, you know, let's hope." But it won't come, or or whatever else, or we think it'll be this because we don't know. We can only give it our best best effort to get to what we believe will will work, and and possibly try and hope and have some influence on the fact that if we're running this system and other people are running the same system that the government may then say yes this is a system that's working there's a lot of work going into looking at things um and if we can get the data and figures to to, to make it look a viable viable option um and also you know maybe other systems such as complete free farming that where you can't lock the sow in if we can find enough evidence to say that that doesn't work, then hopefully we can convince the government you know, as, a, as an industry that 
you know, what what is the best? Because you know, what 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 is the best for welfare? Yes, the sale can be let out, but if the mortality goes up by five or six percent, well, that's obviously bad welfare for the piglet. So it's got to be a. But we need to probably be proactive and find that find that middle ground um, of what suits everybody. Yeah, I know. Uh... Dr. Thomas Parsons at Penn State was doing a lot of research with open farrowing versus confined uh, farrowing and some other things. And that was a big thing they were looking at. I mean, if the sow's confined and we're having less deads and then we make her, we give her free access and mortality goes up, there, there's a balancing act to be had there. And how, how do we discover or find that, that perfect equilibrium? I mean, that's a tough, tough challenge to solve. That's the thing, and in the UK, we forty percent of the UK herd is actually outdoors. Um, and from a public perception point of view, um, on a nice sunny day, it's I'm sure it's absolutely fantastic. But you know the, the weather's very changeable in the UK, and you know, conditions always aren't that favourable. <laughs> you know, it, I'm sure if you could speak to the sows and get their opinion of whether they'd be like to be outside in a field up to the bellies in in mud or in a climate-controlled farrowing house um, and and climate-controlled buildings. Um, you know, many a days they would much rather be in the in the climate-controlled areas than than living outside. But the government, the the, the public, seem to to have it that the outdoor is is better. Um, I think every system has its merits and has its pitfalls, and we just need to. Be sensible as to what can can work um, going forward. Really, um, yeah. It, similar with the the sow stalls, yeah, the, we ban the UK ban them. Ninety nine. We have all group housing. Most of the time, I would think it is much kinder than farming stalls. But the for the sow that gets bullied, it's yeah, she's not having a good time of it. And you know, you, every, everything, everything has a positive and a negative, I believe. Um, and yep. it's, it's finding that best ground that you can find. For sure. So in one of the articles by Pig World, um, they really focused on an expansion that you did, bringing 40 of these crates to another sow farm at about 250 sows. And, and I'm curious to kind of tie things back, you you're running your own sow farm and now you're commercializing and manufacturing this, this innovative, innovating, innovative stall. How do you manage your time? Like there's a lot going on. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. We, yeah, we, we, as I say, we build, do all our own building. We've got 210 places left to put in. Um, our vet mentioned it, yeah, that he had somebody that was interested um, seeing what we were doing, so they came and looked and were really pleased. And yeah, they, they've installed forty, um, which went to visit a few weeks back, which they're really happy with. Um, and they've ordered another forty. Um, it's it's something that we can do because yeah, we we just have to order it really. And um, it's yeah, first and foremost for pig farmers. Um, if people would like us to supply the crates or the, the pens, as we call them, then we're happy to do that as well. It's you know, we've we're we're lucky that I have a good friend who's really good. Uh, that's a 
a professional CAD designer, so he did all the drawings and everything's made up and jigged up, and, and we can you know, get things made up pretty quickly um, and, and get them out, really. That's pretty cool. So I guess to wrap things up, uh, first off, we're real honored to have you on the podcast to talk through the hard work that you're doing, the obstacles you're overcoming, and the innovations you're creating. But would you mind sharing with us uh, a golden, we call it a golden chop, opposed to a golden nugget now, but I guess uh, a word of advice to people listening. Oh, yeah, <laughs> this is difficult. Um, I thought about this a bit. And uh, one thing that one vet did say to me um, uh, quite early on when I started working with the pigs was whenever you think you've, you know, you've got the job mastered, you've got it right, get ready because there's a big crash coming, i.e. don't take your eye off the ball when you think it's you've got it right because something's going to come come and bite you on the backside. Um, and inevitably, that does happen. So, yeah, I think that's that's quite a good one. Um, and I think something else that's sort of quite fitting at the moment is we do see a lot of things on social media, in press, etc. Of you know, figures, numbers. I think there's a lot of vanity, and um, really, I think the only thing that actually matters is how much it costs to get a pig out of that gate. Uh, at, at the end of the day, there's people in um, the Netherlands talking about 35, 40 pigs per cell. That's amazing if we can do it, but there's no point worrying. You know, for you to try and do that yourself because I think if you can still make good money at 25 pigs per sale per year, then that's fine because you know, not every pig is a profitable double pig. You know, it depends how much it costs to get that pig out of the gate. And really, that's the only thing that, that has to matter. If you can make profit getting those pigs out of the gate that, that you're producing, then you just got to work from that and rather than worry about what you see in, in press on social media um, and everything else because everyone can take a picture of a good pig and put it on but you know, we can all go find a lot of bad pigs but they'll never ever be put posted on social media and um, make you think you know, oh it's not so bad because <laughs> um, yeah. I do think I mean, that's 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 something you know that I see lots of things and think oh I wish I could do that you know that'd be amazing but it, it might be one pen out of 100 farming places that, that look fantastically well and yeah the other 95 might might not look so great but that one pound can look fantastic out there so it's got everything that you see on print and on, on the internet take it with a pinch of salt it's a good point and it's a great perspective because we have as an industry become enamored with pigs per sow per year and there's not a whole lot of sharing around profit per pig and in a way that tells us okay you're hitting 35 pigs per sow per year but what are you paying to get that because yeah. your profit per pig might be less and you might actually be making less than somebody making 28 pigs per sow per year at the end of the day yeah that's it and when and when the when the price contracts you've, you've not got there you, you have you have you might have to keep doing 35 pigs per sow rather than you know, it, if you don't need to do it then you, you're not you know if you get a purge outbreak if you get an outbreak of something it's not going to cripple you you know because you're already at a lower uh, a lower plane or 
Yeah, because you, you know that you can make good money doing what you're already doing, hopefully. That's a good point. But I guess thank you again for joining us on the Popular Pick Podcast. It's been a real pleasure. No, thank you for asking me. It's, yeah, it's been a pleasure. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Popular Pig. We aspire to learn and grow together through the experience and wisdom shared by our esteemed guests. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with your friends and colleagues within the swine industry. For more information, please go to popularpig.com to receive updates when new episodes are available. Popular Pig is brought to you by SwineTech, the award-winning creators of SmartGuard and PigFlow. To learn how PigFlow can help you streamline your workforce and reduce piglet and sow deaths, visit swinetechnologies.com. To learn how PigFlow can help you streamline your workforce and reduce piglet and sow deaths, visit swinetechnologies.com.